welcome to the first episode of Pro Ho Podcast. My name is Penda, and I'm here to talk all things sex and answer your anonymous sex questions, your dating questions, and to really break down what it means to be sexually liberated for a black person. So Pro Ho is kind of this ideologic mindset that I created to eradicate sexual stigmas within the black community, which um, started after my mom gave me my first vibrator for Christmas. Shout out to mom. She's the best. Um, <laughs> afterwards, you know, we had this conversation where she told me that she wished she would have spoken to her kids about sex at a much younger age, which really sparked the conversation about the lack of intergenerational dialogue around sexual freedom and sexual liberty. So I am here today with Jillian Hervey of Lion Babe, the incredibly beautiful, talented musician, uh, to talk a little bit more about sexual liberation, what that looks like, what it feels like, and to discuss a piece of advice that my mom recently gave me, which is to think like a white girl whenever I'm dating or meeting new people or having new sexual relationships, which I think means being as sexually liberated as I damn well please. So let's get into this and welcome Jillian Hey, Jill. Hello. Hello. So good to be here. (laughs) I'm excited to have you. So how are you? What's going on? What's new with Lion Babe, with your music? I'm good. I'm growing. Uh, We are set to actually leave for a tour. So Mm -hmm. just kind of gearing up for that whole whirlwind of adrenaline and fun and travel and just finally bringing the music to a live stage so amazing that's so awesome I'm glad that you're here in the meantime before that happens and to talk about sex which is my favorite subject I'm so (laughs) excited also nervous I'm like I've never done this kind of thing so this is stepping out of my comfort zone but it's it's good it's exciting I love that okay so well let's just jump right in (laughs) and I want to talk about sex advice like did you talk to your parents about sex early on did they give you advice about sex or were you kind of just left to your own devices to figure it out um i definitely think i knew my both my mom and dad were sexual beings like they would jokingly be like well you were conceived in the bahamas and my sister like you were conceived this way and we're like oh gross whatever but it was always nice to see that they had a comfort with their sexuality how they were as people um But yeah, I mean, I definitely think I had the classic sense of protecting myself and being so terrified to even approach them about anything. Like, I have a boyfriend, I have someone I have a crush on, like any of that stuff. And and, um, yeah, so for a long time, it was definitely, I confided in my friends, not even really my family, my sister. I just was like, I'm gonna just look out for my girls, ask them whatever we all know and just figure this out on my own. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like luckily I never like walked in on my parents having sex or any type of weirdness like that, that like would prompt this really awkward conversation. But I agree. Most of it was through my friends or the media or television. My sister is a lot older. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I didn't have that relationship with her until recently. And now it's like not too little too late but i'm just like we're we're <laughs> we're worlds. past it different worlds exactly. <laughs> exactly um but has that conversation changed with your parents now that you're an adult and they know obviously like i assume we're all sexually active exactly. here like they would be like you have an issue if you're not by this point <laughs> but um yeah i think i can just talk to them more candidly about relationships and not really like 
you know, go into detail. But if I'm talking about, oh, I'm a woman right now and I feel like I'm not being pleasured in the way that I know that I want to be pleasured, I, I feel comfortable saying that to both of them. And they're kind of like, okay, then that's valid or whatever. Like, always been very supportive of us, like, just really being independent and testing what we want, what we deserve, all of that stuff. And I think they have set that example. I mean, they're both, my mom is remarried, but my dad also, you know, we all talk about relationships pretty candidly and like, all right, well, this person has this and this and this. But um, yeah, the, the sex is always like on the surface. It's like, okay, it's okay. Like you can let us know, but it's never like, we don't go into to detail. To, yeah, we don't need it. When my mom gave me the vibrator, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. But I then don't know if my mom would ever do that. <laughs> yeah, but even once I got it, I was I sent her a picture of it, and she was like, "Too much information." Too. I'm like, "So okay, so we're just gonna you know touch the surface, but really not get exactly. into this." Where do we draw the line? <laughs> exactly. But um, for for those of you listening who don't know, Jillian's mom is the beautiful Vanessa Williams and so growing up with someone who is in the limelight or was a celebrity or in the media do you feel like that has shaped how you now present yourself in the media um a hundred percent I think um going further into you know what created my mom's legacy is obviously her winning she's the first black Miss America which is something she never really wanted but just something that happened just because of her talent and everything um, but on top of that, there is her scandal at that moment in time that is attached to her legacy, and that was her being exposed in nude photos. And it's so funny because you think of now how free the world is, how women are, you know, putting everything and then some on the internet, and everyone just accepts it. And I think of the amount of kind of pain and just real like agony that was caused with my family and my mom with just like how she was viewed as a person and performer all of that so for me it was a very um definitive role in in shaping how I kind of was sexual and how I choose to be like I, I think I always exude freedom and confidence and all of this but um there is a graceful classiness that I feel necessary for continuing our legacy you know like i just i know that i'm like i'm not i i maybe i'll turn up i'll twerk somewhere but like i'm just not that's not part of my artistry like i just not how i feel like for me and for what i know my mom is and what the responsibility i feel is to be sexual in a way that is more sensual and free in that and save those really special moments and sex moments with people that I'm really actually having an intimate relationship with. And I think you can you can feel and, and invite those feelings to something performative, but you don't have to necessarily go the extra way. Like I, I feel like less is more in that in that way. So right. that's always been since that time I, I was always really aware of like Okay, I don't. I don't really think I'm ever gonna do a nude photo. You know, like if I even if I was thinking of acting, like I don't know if I can do a topless role unless it really makes sense. So I've always been wary of doing that, and that's I, I don't have any issue with any girls doing it, but it's just not me. Yeah. So I want to get into um, this whole idea of thinking like a white girl. Mm -hmm. So you know, like I was saying, obviously it's not a conventional way to give advice. Conventional piece of advice, right? Like I don't think that white moms are giving their daughters advice saying, "Don't act like, <laughs> don't act like a black girl." Yeah. I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> um, but what do you think my mom meant when she said that? 
I think there's a certain freedom that comes with privilege, obviously. So I think that's just that following your natural expression and not really putting any limitations on you because you're anything. Just that's like how you navigate the world because luckily for white people, it has been that trajectory for them. They can really go through the world and be like, I can do whatever I want, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I also, I grew up around white girls too and like that y- y- I had to show up with my own confidence. Like whether I felt that way or not, like I knew in order for me to just keep moving and keep everything happy, I had to be like just as good as everyone else. Exactly. Know? So I think that whole feeling is something that, you know, whether you're in those circles or not, it is a good mindset to have. Obviously, I'm a champion of black women, so I'm like, you don't have to, that doesn't have to be your mantra or anything at all. But I think the freedom is is really what everyone's striving for in this world in general. Exactly. I think the freedom to be carefree without certain limitations and to be whimsical, like there, you can tell when you enter a space and it's um, like you just have no inhibitions like you are just there you're confident you're free you're you're not feeling you're not worried of am i this am i too black am i speaking correctly and i do think um traditionally white women have been just afforded that luxury of not having to worry about those things which in turn allows them to navigate spaces with ease right which with much ease and i think (laughs) so my mom when she was saying that just she was advising just go and be open and and not have limitations or hesitations in in how you act with other people or in expressing your desires or what you want. In that regard, in terms of um, like limitations, do you feel like there were any societal constructs like religious or familial media that have obstructed your sexual liberation as a black woman or shaped your sexual identity? Did you grow, you know, I have a friend who grew up in a very strict Christian household. Mm -hmm. And to this day, he's 27 years old and just had his first like orgasm because he had all of this religious shame during sex that he was like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not married. I mean, I think, yeah, several things. Like I, I definitely just being a black girl in a white world where I was at the time it was like well you can't be too sexually active or too out out there and that really kind of I mean I think I'm also naturally romantic and when I like someone I just like end up dating them for way too long but <laughs> but I do think that that actually shifted me into looking for more real relationships earlier on because I didn't feel I'm like I don't know what my re- reputation is going to be if I'm like messing around and you know I I was at church every Sunday as well so I think that whole like goody two-shoes thing it really disrupts that exploration I mean there was definitely things like that happening I was exposed to it and I wasn't like super um you know reserved but I also think I I didn't I didn't really push the boundaries and I definitely wasn't thinking about okay a woman needs to orgasm at all at all like literally for years it's like you think like okay it's about the guy like you gotta pleasure the guy and that's what it is and like i don't even know when the conversation would be taught like a girl's orgasm girls like sex can feel good for them there's a whole other side to all this so like that that has come with age to be honest yeah age and experience and exposure yep yeah all of that your girls Exactly. Like, wait, what? What did you you do? (laughs) It's so important back in college. If we were having sex with someone afterwards, you know, the next day, you talk to your girlfriend, you call her up, you're like, this happened. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And they always ask, well, was it good? 
Like that's always exactly. the number one question. Was it How good? Was it? How was it? <laughs> and a lot of the time I feel like we would say like, oh, it was all right. Like yeah. he didn't do this or whatever. And then at that, like at some point it clicked and we were like, listen, <laughs> we have a duty to let these men know that they are not performing because we need to save the next woman. Amen. <laughs> <We> <laughs> For need, real. We have to stop the circle of poor sex, of uh, mediocre sex. So I definitely yeah. know the the girlfriends definitely saved saved me in some instances. Yeah. Um, I am myself writing and exploring a lot of about like BDSM and kink and like we're not weird because it's totally normal if you like those things yeah. um but just other sexual activity that isn't necessarily seen seen as um respectable or normalized in black sex conversations yeah. so i wonder how do you think we can like break the cycle or why do you think that we feel that we have to keep these things a secret when often a lot of us are exploring kink sexual behaviors. I think at the end of the day, it always is weirdly tied to shame of just like people knowing and just being a little bit out of the box. And, you know, I think that it's, again, it goes back to that kind of freedom of freedom of expressing all parts of yourself. And I'm I'm such a like I'm a hippie in that sense like I'm like I'm not everyone do you like yeah. I'm not why am I out here like feeling a type of way about what you do that's what you choose to do but I think with anything you just have to be exposed and you don't that's, if you're not into it you don't have to go and do this right just to be able to be receptive in a conversation and just be open to hearing what's going on I think just by having more dialogue about the different ways you can be sexual hopefully helps people be like okay this is normal there's a lot of people that do this um but yeah i mean i um i'm never like blocking it i'm just like i i don't know much about it but I'm never, <laughs> like, go, go for it <laughs> do it do you i read something the other day that was saying that if if you don't shape your own narrative you allow other people to shape it for you and yeah. i feel like a lot of times with black women specifically, like our bodies have been over sexualized for so long through history. And yeah. if you if you demand something from sex, you're too dominant, yeah. you're too aggressive. And so I feel like we have all of these these ideas and notions of how you should behave during sex. And unfortunately, yeah. we carry that with us in terms of, of our sexual expression. And we're like, well, I, I really like this. It really felt good when he choked me or whatever. But again, but like this isn't, you know, what I've been taught how how I should experience sex. So unfortunately, I think um, it's time that we start telling our own narratives and stories, yeah. um, even if it's difficult sometimes to speak up and be like, hey, this is totally normative and um, it makes me feel good. Exactly. Right? It's that historical imagery that can really mess you up when you're carrying that. Do you think that you've experienced um, pushback in the music industry for being being sexual or being open or free i've definitely felt like you know my first video with treat me like fire and just having big hair like after they like saw that they were like well that's that like that's you right like that's all it is and i'm like no i'm i'm just that was what i wanted to do for that video you know i think i'm a person like i have braids right now like i i change that's what black women do you know what are you talking about so that was like a very hard thing to like okay well you are only like you have to be this if you don't have the hair looking this way and you looking this way and that was always just this like really crazy world to be in because i feel like the people accepted me because i was really just being myself <laughs> so i'm like fighting all this i'm like but this doesn't feel right and 
luckily now I'm in a place that I don't have those people in my ear. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it definitely was hard to just navigate the music industry because it's predominantly white men. So whether they like your music genuinely or not, a lot of times when you're in the room with them, like you can just feel it. They're not looking at you as a serious individual and like you know there'd be times where emails were sent and I wasn't on the email and I'm like why am I not on the email and they're like oh we just didn't think you wanted to be bothered with this stuff I'm like well, who's who's gonna answer the email you know so it's just that kind of thing if they think you look a certain way then you don't have the brains or you don't want to do any of that stuff and that was always hard for me to just be like Yo, take me seriously. Like that's that's all I want you to do. And um, you know, don't be weird and and hit on me and whatever. Like also, that's also gross. <laughs> gross, gross, and just so tired. Like, can we uh, can we be over. better? Can we do better already? Come on. <laughs> but obviously, Lime Babe is two parts. So it's you yes. and Lucas. Yes. So have you noticed? Um, like, what? How do you think it would be different if it were a uh, like two females in in this oh, group. Man. I don't. I mean, that would be a, probably a whole different beast. Um, you know, I think me being a female, it's even gotten me and us opportunities to do things. But I've even noticed the men in those positions be like, "Well, we just want Jill. Like, she wants. She has to be part of it or whatever." And like him getting butted out because people don't want to associate me with a guy, which is so weird because for me. I don't honestly think I would want to do this alone. I have yeah. no desire to, to travel the world by myself in that way. No. It's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot of just in your own head. So I enjoy the collaboration. That's really what, you know, kind of made me be like, okay, I can do this. There's someone else in this. Mm -hmm. I can go through those meetings knowing that I can leave being like, yo, that guy was crazy. You know, like you have someone to talk to versus like you're just in. I, I feel for the girls that are out here having all these people talking all sorts of stuff in their ear so you know for me I was like oh this is actually this gives me like a ground to I have someone who really lets me be myself to navigate the world with and that that feels good but I, I do feel that people just like sometimes are like well we just want the like the hot babe or whatever like you know and I'm just like well that's not what we are like people don't a lot of times they don't know how to look past an image you know sadly yeah that's like and it's it's getting worse, I think, with mm -hmm. social media. Oh, yeah. You know, because instant gratification is what a lot of us desire. And when you have that image, you assume one thing as yeah. soon as you see it. And you don't allow the rest of your body to take the time to process and to think about what the image is, what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, so sadly, I think we're, we're faced with just this a crazy, a a crazy a time. Crazy and time. you came out, you for, like treat me like fire. When did it first come out? Um, so that was in December of 2012. I know. That's almost seven years ago. I know. Like, I so much has shifted since then. A lot, then. a lot, a lot, a lot. So, you know, and I think the reason in the beginning was, a, I feel like there was a confusion. People were like, well, what is it a band or is it whatever? But just because I, I came from a dance background, so performance was just like, my vibe and I'm like oh I have to do this in the dance in the video like this is what I want to do yeah and Lucas was just kind of like all right well, I'll be in it like for a little bit I'm like okay sure like we weren't even really thinking about that but it's cool like the show coming up will have a moment to really like kind of introduce us both as what we are in the duo because there's Lucas is literally 50% like and more of what we do you know so I think 
for people to just think, oh, well, she's a singer. Like, I'm like, well, that's that's fine. But th- I could not do this without him. So, yeah, yeah. it's a duo. Yeah, it's a duo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, last question before we take some audience calling questions. But who are your musical icons um, that have helped you embody like the sexual energy that is Lion Babe and that is your vibe and and who you are? Um. It has to start with Josephine Baker for me. Both my mom and dad have like, you know, one has a poster, a couple has a few images. So I saw her in my house my whole life and I was just like, who is this woman? And they would tell me about, you know, all of her performances and just her progressiveness and how she was just such this like fireball. And um, I, I fell in love with her. So that freedom that I see when I watch her old footage and like Zuzu and everything, it's just like, you know, it's unreal to her and like even like Marilyn Monroe to me. I feel like they're women that are just so just consumed and like I'm just gonna be me and I'm I know that we're sensual, I know we're powerful, like just know it, even no matter where they're placed in time. Frida is another person like that. So I feel like those people were always markers of okay, these girls get it. <laughs> and yeah. then as a performer, I mean like Betty Davis is one of my favorites. She's just like so wild and crazy um tina turner i love love love. gotta love tina gotta um and yeah and then even like i don't know prince and bowie to me they both are also just so artistic but like when they want to like do something they just go for it like making love to the guitar making love to you know the microphone just doing it not caring I love it. I feel like too, even recently, having seen like Miguel live and Anderson Pack live oh, and yeah. seeing how they make love to their instruments. I'm just like this. I feel like our generation has just been craving yes. this kind of live music interaction. And it's it's like so such a turn on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to answer some of these these questions? Okay, let's hear. um a question from our first caller. So let's hear what they have to say. Hey, question. Um, so how do you get your partner to understand that sexual desire towards other uh, people is not an indictment on their love or their ability to please you sexually within a relationship. So, did you hear the question? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it got a little muffled. At it the got end, a little but... muffled at the end. Thanks for calling in, caller. Um, I think he was just saying, how do you how do you let your partner know that being sexually attracted to other people yeah. is not indicative of the love that they have or sexual attraction that they have for you? Um, I think you know I'm I'm naturally drawn to people that are sexual because I think I'm sexual, so I'm understanding of that. Just on like okay, if someone sees someone walk into a place and they're hot, like, if they they look at them, I'm not gonna, I'm like, I get it. Like, that's how you saw me and met me in the first place. So it's no really hard feelings. And luckily I've had, you know, people that are just like, well, I know I'm going home with you. So like, you know what I mean? Like they kind of have the comfort of that. And then they let me navigate 
where I want to go in the day and handle my shit. You know, I don't have to be like holding their hand the whole time. You know, I think possessiveness is just really a sign of insecurity and that's a red flag that, you know, that's going to be, that's going to haunt you. It's going <laughs> to so show itself in so it's many other ways. Yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. And you just don't want that because as much, you can have a beautiful relationship, but I really feel like that stuff is always the really ugly side of things and it's so unnecessary. Right. And I think it's unnatural to think that you won't be like attracted to other people. There are so many people in this world. Like I don't even know if I believe in necessarily like the one anymore. Like I, I, you know, it's like, it's exhausting. exhausting. (laughs) And if there is only one person on this entire planet for me, I just, I feel hopeless. (laughs) hopeless. <laughs> but um, I, of course, I think how you act on that sexual attraction is, com- that's what defines like what kind yes, of person you are. Of course. Let's hear from our next caller. Hey, Panda. Got a question. I've been seeing this guy for a while and he asked me to be exclusive. We haven't had sex yet, but I know or I think I should tell him I have HPV. How do you suggest I handle this? First of all, shout out to you for being in an exclusive relationship without first having sex. (laughs) (laughs) And second of all, I think if you have HPV, which if people do not know, it's human papillomavirus, which is like, it's the most commonly transmitted sexual sexual infection. And like most people who are sexually active at some point in their life have had HPV. You know, if it's not addressed, it can turn into more serious health issues. So I think it's important for you to definitely tell him now. <laughs> yes. right like there's no other option yeah I think honesty is the best policy in that you know it's it's people's bodies and health and you know their well-being and I think that's just an honorable thing to do and there's no shame in you having it you just have to be honest with your partner and especially if you guys are thinking about getting more serious right let's hear from another caller hey Pinda so my question for you is, um, you know, say you have a really amazing sex and it's fun and it's kinky and, um, you know, you're really into it, but you feel like um, you can take it to the next level. And I feel like that's where I am. And... My question is, how can you introduce being verbal into your sexual practice if that is not your natural um, sort of go-to? Is that something that you kind of wait for it to happen one day? Or is it something that you, you know, practice? Or do you actively decide like, I'm just going to do this shit, even though I feel ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, total sex phone operator voice Go in that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think what I've done in the past when I wanted to express that I needed more from an experienced 
is kind of like gentle nudging during the moment of being like, oh, I really like this or do this, like giving direct instructions during sex. And I know for a lot of people, it took me time to, to even be able to work up to that kind of courage, which I always think is like, wow, this is, am I doing this backwards that I'm having sex with someone, but don't feel com- comfortable enough to talk to them. <laughs> Um, but I think it's normal to have these reservations in in ex- in expressing your desires. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's everyone is different and you know, everyone likes to express themselves and and you know, reluctantly want certain things but sometimes can't say it and even if I've been in a situation where I feel like okay, this is not really my thing. I don't really imagine myself doing this. I think of the pleasure I would enjoy knowing that the person I'm pleasuring is enjoying it. Exactly. So I kind of like put myself into that space and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this because I know they're going to be super turned on by this. And then by that happening, I will be turned on. Exactly. So kind of just like allowing yourself to just go for it. And like you said, you might feel like goofy, but in the long run, the person's probably going to be turned on and then you'll be pleasured. Exactly. <laughs> I look like I'm so turned on by turning on right? my partner. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best type of yeah. foreplay to me. Yeah. It's like, I just want you to experience this. I want to, of course, I want to of get course. off as well. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's take another question. Hello, I would like to know if you have ever experienced dating in an interracial relationship or having any sort of sexual relationship with a member of a different race than yours? And if so, how was any race play dynamics or were there any sort of conflict or clashes or a shift in dynamics that you had to address or that you felt personally when you went from your typical day-to-day life to bringing it into the more intimate setting in the bedroom. And I'd be especially interested to know if you have ever had sex with a white man and felt like there was a bit of an internal conflict given your more maybe submissive leaning tendencies. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) That was such a loaded question. The most of my relationships have been interracial. I think it also is location. Mm-hmm. I grew up around a lot of white people, so that was my pick of the litter at the time. And um, I do feel that at it was it was and definitely being looked at as exotic was something that was, you know, just like. I felt like all of them always thought that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like, got to know me like for real. And then usually I would convince them pretty early on that I was an actual special thing to <laughs> hold on to. But yeah, it can, it can totally creep in the bedroom and you kind of like, again, can feel, you know, shameful. Or like, oh, is this wrong? And sometimes you're like, oh, if I, if this person is choking me, is this like a whole thing? Is this a whole story like that they're playing off of? And, you know, again, I just try to like, if I go, if I let my head go there, you know, it can get crazy, but I try to just center myself. I'm like, okay, like this is still very physical and like person to person. And if I enjoy this, there's no shame in this. Like, so I kind of have to have that kind of conversation going with myself. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, you're attracted to who you're attracted to. I I, I definitely have had a, a rainbow of people in my life. So I think that's it's it's to each their own and 
if you're carrying that stuff in with you, you know, you got to figure that out. Yeah. No, that, uh, <laughs> that trauma that you got to break it down and figure out why you feel that way. Yeah. I grew up in Denver in, in another white space, but I think it was just an unsaid thing. That's like, you're not, you won't date a white man. Like, yes. you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a little unspoken. So mm-hmm. I had white friends and I definitely had connections, emotional, physical connections with other white men, but I was always just kind of like, Oh, but like this, this could never be, permanent. Yeah. I mean, I actually thought the latter in my, like where I grew up, there were no black men. And so I just thought of myself as like a dorky girl has no idea about black culture or anything. Like I went to my first Jack and Jill dance. I was like terrified. I'm like, I don't know even how to act. Like blah, blah, blah. So I just never thought that was in the cards for me, even though like I would have totally loved to know what that felt like. And it wasn't until later that that even happened. And I was like a, a giddy little girl. Like, oh, my God. This is <laughs> you know what I mean? And it felt so nice to just like really connect with like people that I've always been attracted to, but I never even got the chance to meet. You know? Definitely. Yeah. All right. This is our last question. So let's let's see what we're going to end this this conversation on. Hey, Brenda. I was wondering... What's the best way to tell someone you're dating that you're also seeing other people? Mm. When should you bring up that conversation? That is the question (laughs) of the mother trucking year. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in this crazy city. It's like, I feel like I assume that everyone is dating everyone. Until that conversation happens. And I was having this conversation with someone. They're like, well, it's you like, obviously, it's not a good idea to assume because maybe I am only dating one person. Maybe I'm only dating you. But if you're assuming that there are multiple people, it just it's it's derailing the progress Mm. of the relationship. But I don't know quite if I figured out the right time. Yeah, I, I don't know. That is it's just so tricky because and then sometimes you're like, okay, well. This is um, this is nice, whatever this is. I don't really want to like ruin it by like, <laughs> letting people know really what's up. Like you're kind of like, I'm gonna figure it out. Like just with me, I'll, I'll figure it out with myself. And that's not necessarily the right or wrong thing either. But I do feel the same way. You don't really ever know what everyone is doing. So until you, I don't know. There's just kind of probably a moment that you kind of just have that conversation if you know like this is the person you want to be with. You, you would be like, you know, so what's going on? Are you seeing anyone else? Or like, would you want to just see me? Or, you know. But yeah, when you're ready, you, you'll go for it. You'll, you'll ask. Yeah. You know. And you and you owe it to yourself. It, like the worst that could happen is, is they say they don't want a relationship with you. And then you're like, cool. Yeah. And then you take that information and you make informed adult decisions. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, well, that was our last question. And I'm so glad that we, we got to kind of dive in a little bit more about sexual freedom and liberation and hopefully answering these questions for some people or whoever's listening, um, you know, our advice offered some type of solace or, you know, something to think about. Um, but I just really want to thank you, Jill, for, for being on this episode. It means it means a lot to me. Um that you're here and that we had this conversation and I feel like we've known each other like peripherally perhaps yes. for some time. So it's, it's been great to just like sit down, even if only I for know. a short time and talk about sex. Um, we should. Do more. We should. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you want to let us know to look out for, for Lion Babe or just a thought that you want to leave, leave us with? 
Um, yeah, our new album, Cosmic Wind, just came out. And yeah, new music coming as well. And just new visuals, new, new Lime Babe. Check out LimeBabe.com for all yeah. the goodies. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to the Pro Hope Podcast. Um, be sure to tune in for the next episode. Uh, subscribe, tweet, follow all of that good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Yay.